You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number nine of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in the kitchen studio is my co-host, as always, Simon Waltorton. Hello, Simon. Hello, Carlos. How are you? I'm very well. I'm... Uh, uh, back into uh, back into the swing of things in the UK. Yeah, back into the real world and reality <laughs> after the uh, short break you had away, uh, which uh, sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, I had a fantastic time in uh, in uh, the Arab Emirates, Dubai and uh, Oman, and uh, obviously uh, had a had a very good time uh, with all the flying involved. In yeah, the, uh, so holiday. yeah, I wish I'd have been there with you to share some of your um, actual uh, plane spotting because. Uh, there look some uh, good photos you've got here. Um, yeah, I put some pictures on fa- uh, Facebook for those of you who follow us on Facebook. You'll be able to see the pictures that I put on during the uh, during my breakaway with the different aircraft and that, uh, and uh, all the aircraft which uh, which I flew on are all uh, new ones for me, ones I've never flown on before. Yes. Um, unfortunately, uh, bad news for me was at the end of the holiday. Um, <laughs> Simon shrugging there. <laughs> Not bad news for him, but uh, bad news for me was uh, the fact that uh, unfortunately, um, due to reasons uh, uh, unknown, um, uh, we didn't get the Dreamliner to fly home on. Well, I hate to have to tell you this. We've uh, we said this uh, in one of our previous podcasts. I think uh, these battery problems aren't going away anytime soon. Yeah, we've got some of that coming up in the news uh, in just a bit uh, about the Dreamliner. Some more problems that uh, that have been occurring over the last uh, sort of fortnight. So that'll be coming up in the news. But uh, getting back to yes, my experience. Just thought we'd, we'd go. We'd, we'd take a few minutes at the start of the show just to um, to run through. You know what I thought uh, of uh, of the whole uh, f- flying experience on the A three eighty. Yes, that is uh, one of my uh, sort of uh, favourite aircraft um, to fly on. I haven't, as of yet, uh, flown it, so I will look forward to that uh, sometime soon. Hopefully, one day uh, to get on there. Um, and uh, it sounds such a fab aircraft. Yes, and looking at these photos, uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was brilliant. We flew with Emirates on uh, on the A three eighty eight hundred. Um, I did take the registration number being a geek. Yes, yes. Alpha sure. 6, Echo, Echo, Charlie. Uh, we flew on. That's uh, number 110 off the production line. Uh, first flew in July 2012, um, powered by four GP Engine Alliance 7270 engines, uh, holding 517 passengers um, on board. Uh, obviously, the usual Emirates very very good service um the aircraft you definitely definitely feel the um the space involved when you get on board yes yes even in economy um yeah loads of legroom loads and loads of legroom um and uh you don't feel quite so uh, so, so claustrophobic no not at all um and we obviously had the usual uh, seat back entertainment um that emirates provide yeah. touchscreen uh, good quality screen, loads and loads of stuff to watch. Um, really good, uh, really good quality programming and stuff. Emirates do on that flight, but uh, it was a, it was a nice flight. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the only the only thing I found uh, I mentioned to you, Simon, um, when I spoke to you when after I got back was uh, I just it, it might have been uh, a, a particular um, um, issue with the sort of power settings or something on the aircraft but there's just a slight vibration when you're at cruise um i mean we were cruising at just under thirty-seven thousand feet 
and uh, when you walk into the center of the aircraft to use the toilets you could sort of feel a very slight hum vibration under your feet do you think um, that was uh, the pressure of the uh, cabin or the uh, aircraft itself yeah i think it was probably to do i mean with the engines you know uh, obviously operating at the power set and they are could possibly have sort of created a sort of harmonic vibration through the aircraft but uh, other than that absolutely seamless flight the landing at um, dubai it was absolutely spectacular it was probably one of the softest landings i've ever had in any aircraft i've flown on for an aircraft of that size you'd think we were landing on cotton wool um i mean it's quite a graceful aircraft isn't it um mm, on takeoff and uh, landing i've watched them at heathrow uh, before and it just seemed when you see it in the skies the big huge wings are sort of that funny shape that sort of curled shape and the engine that just sits there and it just glides through the sky and um, the landings I've seen, it just seems to, and then even on takeoff, when it's uh, down the runway, it just seems um, sort of slow on takeoff and, mm. and landing looks like such a graceful aircraft. Yeah, that was um, that was really good. It was, uh, like I said, a nice flight. The food on board was awesome. Yes. Um, Emirates do um, do 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 some great food on board you know yes. um i mean we all know what air, airline food can be like at some at some times yes. but uh yeah we had a choice of uh, grilled chicken or braised lamb yeah that's uh, um, nice to have a choice because uh, mm. uh, sometimes you uh just get one uh, option and that's it and i must admit looking at your photos i'm looking uh, they've upped the ante on the aircraft uh have ceramic sinks touched uh yeah the t- yeah the, the bathrooms are quite plush actually even in economy um you know the lovely um sinks and touch uh um button um hot water hot and cold water with with everything in the top there was uh complimentary toiletries in there and hand wash and <coughs> um, hand cream and facial yeah. stuff and that and and, and that's in the economy so com- yeah compared to a sort of uh off-flown united virgin atlantic they've got the old plastic toilets and everything because um, they're an older aircraft, but this is a new aircraft, uh, so the, they've upped the ante. And uh, USB and uh, UK plugs in the aircraft as well. That yeah, is, we did. We had uh, USB, quite... yeah, and three pin, three pin power connection, which is quite yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. and uh, just uh, looking at the touchscreen uh, TVs, they look pretty good as well. Yeah, good quality they were. Yes. So the second flight I took on the holiday was with Oman Air. That was um, to to Oman to Muscat. And that was on another new one for me, the Embraer ERJ175LR. This is quite uh, quite different for me. I'm not uh, you know used to flying on such small uh, jet sort aircraft, re- regional sort of aircraft. Regional aircraft. Yes, yeah. Um, Alpha Four Zero Echo Charlie was the um, um, registration. That was uh, number three hundred and forty nine off the production line. First flew in August two thousand twelve. So another reasonably new aircraft. Um, 71 people that holds and they do a, a two uh, configuration in that business class um, and economy uh, they have 11 seats up the front yeah what is it two and class. two yes it's seated two and two two an aisle and then two seats so it's uh, it's quite good for when you're a couple because you can sit together and yes. you don't have anyone sitting next to you yeah um, but that, again, that was a, a short flight. That was only uh, just under an hour, that one, because um, it's only literally next door to Dubai. Yeah, now that is a Brazilian aircraft, isn't it? That is, yeah, Brazilian-built aircraft. Um, but it was, uh, again, it was quite noisy, um, the aircraft. That's powered by two GE um, CF-34-8E uh, engines. 
um, fairly fairly noisy. Um, yes, but I, mu- I must admit, um, having said that, you say uh, noisy. Uh, I've flown on the CRJ seven hundred regional jet in the US quite a few times, and I must admit, uh, my wife gets a ringing tone in her ears because the engines are on the back of the fuselage. So mm. that sounds as though it's a similar thing. But I think a lot of these smaller aircraft do have oh, the engines are obviously smaller. But they have extra power, so they are just a little bit noisy, I would imagine. Mm. Yeah, that was um, that was fa- fairly noisy, but uh, it came across as quite a pocket rocket. It was yes, uh, yeah. very, very swiftly, um, you know, off the ground when we when we took off. Um, but having sort of not, not that many people on board um, uh, at the time, it, you know, we didn't have a lot of weight on. I think at the time. But a good flight again, and we had even a short flight. We did have um, a little fruit. A platter um, meal on board, which was nice. That was all fresh fruit. Uh, you still looked at a cup of coffee or um, water. Or yeah. How long shoes. was your flight on this one? That was only fifty. I think it was fifty minutes, fifty-five minutes. That was. It wasn't really a long flight oh, so during a day as well. Yeah. So you're up and you're near enough down. You are straight away. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think we got up to. Oh, I think we got up to about eighteen or nineteen thousand feet. Yeah. I think before we came down again, something like that. Um, on screen um, uh, entertainment again on board, even on that aircraft, they still had the seat back uh, entertainment for each uh, person with your that's, headphones. That's um, quite uh, unusual uh, for an aircraft that small. Uh, that must be a thing uh, they do in the Middle East and whatever. Mm. We had. I watched. Uh, well, I, I, I managed to get through uh, thirty minutes of Top Gear uh, they had on. <laughs> so no air, sh- no air show uh, programs or anything. No, like that. no, unfortunately not. No. Um, so next flight then, um, coming home um, on Wednesday of this week, uh, when we flew back, was from Oman to Doha, and that was with Qatar on uh, an A321-200, um, that was uh, Alpha 7, Alpha India Delta, that was number 4,530 off the production line, Wow! first flew in October 2010. Uh, holds 177 passengers, um, again in a two-class configuration with Qatar, that was business and um, economy, powered by uh, IAE V2533A5 engines. Um, that was a very, very um, sorry, not full flight, I should say. Yeah. That was very, very um, empty. There was literally a handful of people on there. That's... Uh, <coughs> Seems strange that Qatar used that aircraft, because they do have um, a lot smaller aircraft in their fleet, uh, but they used the A321 for us that morning. Um, again, great service with Qatar. Um, we had the, the breakfast uh, breakfast wrap, they call it. It was like... Um, it sounded like something from McDonald's. <laughs> yes, it, it, it wasn't hugely... Um, Tasty, but you know, and it, it, we did not like say we do. We got a, it was a hour's flight. I think that was about an hour, just over an hour's flight. Um, cup of coffee, uh, usual uh, water, orange juice, and stuff. Uh, it's seat back entertainment again, and um, with a little route map to show you where you are. Yeah, I do. Lot, I do. That is one of the part of the. I say one part. That is the most enjoyable part for me, and uh, you was probably the same. Having the route map, and your. All your um, information about the aircraft, and yeah. 
And also, uh, when you had the aircraft, one of the aircraft you flew on, you got that camera on the um, tail. Yes, that was that was on the three hundred and eighty with Emirates. Um, I'm pretty sure other airlines do it, but um, Emirates definitely do it on the triple seven and on the three hundred and eighty. And the photo uh, photos look pretty good, uh, even uh, high altitude as well. Yeah, yeah, the tail photos come out. I took a few um, photos uh, while I was on board with you know, of the seat back screen showing that particular view. Yeah, they're really good. You've also got a down, downwards view as well which they obviously have on the underbelly of the aircraft that looks down so you can uh, you can see where you're flying over now a question i'm going to ask you here i have to ask this far away um what about on takeoff and landings can can you, you actually, can still watch them oh, yep. you, you can still watch yep it. the cameras are all online completely throughout the flight you can you can watch yourself at the gate with all the uh, the ground uh, staff um, driving Mil- past, yeah, and milling around, milling the, around, uh, yeah. the uh, wheels and everything, yeah, because the front uh, the front camera is on the on the undercarriage, yeah. Um, that must be quite exciting uh, when you're going down the runway, you're watching the wheels going around. And, well, uh, actually, I I, t- I found myself on uh, on that particular flight we had then, looking at uh, how well the the uh, pilot was keeping the aircraft on the centre line, yes, because um, yep. you can obviously see the centre line yes, underneath yeah. the aircraft, yeah. And when you look at the tail camera, you can see the, uh, the the taxiway in front of you, and you can see where the nose is in relation to the centre line of the uh, taxiway. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, he done really well. He kept yeah. the aircraft totally dead centre. Yeah, because they have a, um, a yellow line to follow uh, on onto the stand or gate uh, when they come into the airport, and uh, that. As as you sort of said, uh, it's quite hard to do when you can't see the line on the ground using yeah. the aircraft. So I think they uh, the pilot. I mean, I th- I, they have it on the three eighties. They'll probably have it on the triple seven. But they have a camera which the pilot can obviously see uh, uh, where with the line. where he is in relation to the yeah. line and stuff. But uh, that was that's quite good. That is a really good idea that the airlines have got to to enable people to sort of have that bird's eye, pilot's eye view yeah. of uh, of flight. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, coming home after we landed at Doha then was on uh, supposed to be on the seven eight seven Dreamliner, um, <laughs> but uh, it turned out when we pulled up at the aircraft in the bus uh, was an Airbus A three thirty three hundred Alpha Seven Alpha Echo Hotel. <laughs> Number 789 off the production line, first flew September 2006, so quite an old aircraft. Yes. Um, they've got it set for 305 passengers. That's powered by uh, General Electric CF680s as well. Um, yeah, that was quite, you could see that was quite a well-weathered aircraft. Uh, yeah. I mean, 2006, that's uh, cracking on a few years. Yeah. Um, the in-flight entertainment uh, was was go okay. It was with Qatar again, um, but the screen quality was uh, not anywhere near uh, no. Emirates. But I have read uh, on their site that they are actually in the process of upgrading all their um, entertainment in-flight entertainment yes. systems on the um, A330s uh, that they have um, to obviously touch screen because these were just normal little hand controllers that you pull yeah. out of the um, armrests to control the selection but the um they were the old lcd displays as well so the quality of the um, yeah the picture wasn't was yeah. was not as good see when you've been on the a380 uh i suppose you're uh quite spoiled yes definitely with emirates yeah because they're uh <clears throat> fairly new well say uh, they're a new aircraft anyway only a few years old so yeah. um and then uh, to come down to a smaller aircraft um a lot older you will uh, notice the difference but we had uh, uh, not empty, but fairly um, uh, empty aircraft flying home. We had 
me and my wife Gemma managed to have four seats to ourselves. Well, that's pretty good. In the centre. I love um, that. Uh, when you're coming home and there's a few spare seats, especially if you're <laughs> yeah. in the centre of the aircraft. Which we uh, were, yeah. Or just uh, like um, just flipping those uh, armrests up and making a bed. <laughs> That's the unfortunate thing I found, though, Simon. The armrests didn't go all the way up on the uh, 330. They wouldn't uh, fold back into the, into the seat. They went sort of halfway up and stopped, so you couldn't really put them up and um, stretch out, which yeah. was unfortunate, but... Um, but on the other hand, we did, like I said, we had some uh, some good food again. Um, the service with uh, Qatar is, is good. You know, the, you, you get a good selection of food, drinks and stuff all through the flight. They're constantly coming around all the way home, offering you fruit juices and water, yeah. um, soft drinks. That's for the uh, dehydration yeah. uh, in the aircraft itself. Um, the cabin crew are, are brilliant. Um, um, and we obviously landed back at Heathrow safely, back to a cold Cold morning. Yes, you were very lucky. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I must tell our listeners this. Uh, he was uh, very lucky, uh, him and his wife, uh, to get back as he did because the day before they came back, the most of the British Isles was completely fog bound. We had dense freezing fog, mm. and uh, I was watching on the flight tracker that there was hardly any aircraft uh, flying in the whole of the UK, and they were getting diverted or cancelled. Mm. So you were very lucky. Another another twelve to twenty four hours, and I think you'd have been. Uh, had been a different story, but yeah, it was cold and it was freezing, dense fog, and most uh, I know Norwich Airport shut down most of the day, and uh, Heathrow was on a limited service because of this uh, dense fog, and then by the uh, late uh, afternoon, early evening, it had all sort of started to lift, so that was good. So you were very lucky indeed. Yeah, well, we all have to come home at some point, <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> even if we are delayed. But uh, that's my uh, that was my experience anyway. Um, so sorry. so no delays on the only uh, just an hour hour nearly an hour's delay when we left Doha to come back yep. to Heathrow. Yep. But I think that was due to ground issues with yes. loading and um, and stuff because there was quite a lot of freight put on board the aircraft to fly back to Heathrow. But no, it was um, it was good. Bit uh, bit jet lag when we got home. Bit tired. Um, but we're sort of steadily yeah. catching up yes, on sleep yeah. now. It takes a few uh, days, if not a few weeks, uh, to get back into a normal UK routine. Routine, in this cold yeah. weather. What's it cold? It isn't that cold? It's because it's fairly mild again now. Yeah, we've had a we had a few frosts since yes, I've been we back. Have, yeah, but um, looking at the weather, I didn't see any sight of any snow this year. Perhaps uh, we may get off that, but somehow I just don't think so. No, no. Well, there'll be some there'll be some snow. We'll we'll get at least two millimeters. <laughs> And that will shut down the whole entire UK. Airports. <laughs> Airports, yeah. <laughs> Roads, schools, everything. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. We, we always talk about the snow, don't we? <laughs> we do, I know. Because <laughs> it's so comical and funny. <laughs> we do, we, I tell you, if we ever got it anywhere near as bad as um, our friends across the pond in the uh, States have gone, I, I dread to think how the UK would cope. Yes, oh, and a lot of these uh, Scandinavian resorts, they uh, cope really well with all the, uh, um, the way they uh, do everything, so... Uh, you well, crunching on them nuts? I, I know. Um, well, <laughs> just just to let you let you know, we're sitting here recording this episode. We've got uh, quite a, a bountiful supply of food. Yeah, um, been put down by my wife before she um, disappeared upstairs. Um, a little buffet, if I little can buffet, say. mince pies, yeah, and, and, um, and lovely peanuts, uh, honeycomb cake, which I've had. But I'm looking at that tray over there. I'm going to take another piece home. <laughs> I'll have to wrap you a piece of take home. <laughs> then I'll take that to work. Mm. Right, so are you going to? We better kick off with some news. Yeah, really. we're, we're uh, spilling yeah. on here. We're spilling uh, on. Yeah, <laughs> we better uh, crack off with uh, some of the news that's been happening over uh, over the course of the last uh, few weeks in the UK. Then, so if you're ready, then Simon, yes, let's go. Right, let's go. Mm-hmm. 
So with the news then, let's kick off uh, with some news from our local airport, Norwich Airport. Um, this one is uh, from their own website, Norwich International Airport's website. And they're saying that uh, reports of significant increase in passenger numbers um, over, um, well, over the course of the last year. Um, they've seen a 7.6% rise in passenger numbers um, in 2013 with over 460,000 people from the region using the city's airport. Surprise you, Simon? Yeah, it does. It does, uh, We were talking about the uh, uh, passenger tax, which everybody has to pay, uh, including... I don't know whether children are free, are they? Um, but anyway, um, you have to pay a £10 charge. I think it used to be about 2 or £3, then it went up to 5 I think it's now 10 per person, isn't it? So That's a, that's a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of money, and... Um, but looking at this, the uh, it keeps uh, expanding and keeps uh, growing in passenger numbers. Yeah, a significant portion of the growth was was uh, generated by Thompson and First Choice, who doubled their activities uh, in Norwich in 2013 compared to 2012. And the Holiday firm has uh, reconfirmed its commitment to the airport in 2014 by increasing the number of weekly flights to Palma Mallorca and offering better flight times for holidaymakers as a result of uh, designating an aircraft to live at the airport throughout the entire summer season. Now, I've all, I've, I'd love to fly from Norwich, Simon, but it, it costs too much. Uh, you, you pay a premium, and there just isn't the, the frequency and the amount of flights yes. have, to... How many times have you flown? Have you Only twice. Twice? Yeah, only twice. Yeah. I must admit, we've talked about this before, and uh, Stansted uh, Airport is um, a lot better, I think. But I do use Norwich... I haven't done lately, but um, I have used it in the past um, to go to the US um, on, on KLM City Hopper over to Amsterdam and then over to Minneapolis and then into uh, Reno, Nevada. But having said that, this uh, terminal passenger tax is just a little bit for me, you know. I know it's convenient and close by, 25 yeah, for, miles I mean, away. So. That's it for me and Simon. It literally is a 25-minute drive isn't yes, it, Simon, yeah. to get to the airport. Yeah. But... Um, I, I, like Simon, probably find it easier to uh, travel uh, an hour and go and fly from Stansted. Yes, yeah. Um, and find a flight that goes where you want to go at the time you want to go. Yeah, because uh, you've got the uh, Amsterdam, Schiphol, KLM are a big sort of contributor to this um, increase because, because of where they are and where Norwich is. They're cl- uh, fairly close together. I think the flight is only about 35, 45 minutes, something like that. Uh, over to Amsterdam and uh, back to Norwich. So, um, and you've got access to the world from uh, KLM and all the other airlines from Schiphol. So yeah. that does make it sort of look fairly good. But it's just that ten pound passenger um, tax that I don't like. I did read uh, also that Air Malta are increasing their flights from Norwich this year. Yeah, so which you're, you're, is good news for me. Yes. But again, the it, it go it boils down to the fact you pay more for the flight and also. They tend to run on strange days, like Wednesdays and yes, Tuesdays. Yes, a lot, um, a lot of the aircraft fly at uh, strange times. I don't know whether that's something to do with the um, restrictions of uh, aircraft noise and because uh, it's a built-up area or what. I mean, I don't know about you, Simon, but when I go on holiday, I tend to book uh, a, a week off, a Monday to a Friday off work. Yes, yeah. I fly on a Saturday and come home on a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and the flights that they offer us here at Norwich tend to leave midweek yes um which you it's kind of not really great to be booking sort of a, a wednesday to a wednesday off work or, yeah yeah but uh i mean hopefully well 
I say the passenger numbers are increasing. Hopefully, there'll be some more airlines or some more frequency of air of uh, aircraft going out of Norwich. Yes, yeah, for this year. Yeah, and also hear about the uh, helicopter uh, increases um, for operations in the North Sea as well. Yeah, they do fly a lot of air helicopters yes. out of um, Norwich to the to the rigs and stuff. That is quite a big part of the the airport. Yeah, and as uh, you were saying, uh, Carlos, the fact is that it does cost a little bit more. Sometimes you can get a good deal on the. Uh, Long haul flights uh, from Norwich, but a lot of the uh, because it's a oil industry haven there um, to get to Aberdeen, Scotland, and obviously to Amsterdam. There is, there always has been and always will be, I think, uh, quite a high charge for certain uh, flights. Yeah, yeah, but we'll keep our eyes on that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Norwich will um, so will uh, actually live up to its international airport status, yeah. which it says it has yes. over the coming uh, coming year. So next story then um, is actually uh, about Air Malta, who we spoke about just a minute ago. Again? Um, again, <laughs> yes, yes. I do love Malta. Um, people who uh, know me will know that. Um, but Air Malta has announced that it's going to commence flights from Glasgow Airport in 2014, uh, a month earlier than planned, adding more than 1,300 extra seats. Um, and that's going to start uh, on Tuesday, April the 8th this year. Um, flying from uh, Glasgow Airport to Malta. Um, that can only mean good things for Air Malta. I mean, the island's getting popular. It's getting to be a popular destination. Yes. And um, hopefully uh, it will mean that um, Air Malta may purchase a few more aircraft because they do predominantly use the A320s, um, the 168 seat A320s. They've got some A319s as well. Do they still have the 737s? No, um, they uh, they phased the 737s out um, 2000 and... Oh, blimey, 2008 or nine, 2009. I think yeah. they got rid of their last um, uh, 737. Went to Malta quite a few years back, and that was on a 737. Yeah, they had a. They had. They used to have years ago. They used to have the old two hundred series. Remember yeah, the old yeah. um, I think with the Pratt and Whitney's uh, Pratt and Whitney JT eight D engines, and then they they um, had the four hundreds, and then they had a. I think before the last one they had was a seven hundred series seven three, and they leased that, and then uh, they got rid of that, and they just they've gone to an all Air, all Airbus fleet of three nineteens and three twenties. So uh, good news for Air Malta then. So next piece of news is uh, from uh, London City Airport, a soft their, their site. And uh, it's about London City Airport is um, the most punctual airport in the UK. Um, so from July to September, 89% of all flights at London uh, City Airport were on time were within a 15-minute window. The average for scheduled flights across all 10 airports monitored was 79%, and the latest figures add to previous outstanding performances that have made London City uh, Airport the most punctual airport for six consecutive quarters since April 2012. That is uh, quite a tight window uh, to keep uh, 15 minutes, um, which is pretty good. Um, and I must admit, I'll, we've got to do it sometime. I want to fly into there, don't we? <laughs> I want to fly we'll, in and fly out somewhere in the UK. You'll, we'll just we'll just randomly book a flight from London City Airport to just to experience to, it to somewhere or from some or from somewhere to London City Airport, shall we? Yeah, um, because I've stayed at the Hilton uh, as I said before, just across the Thames, and watching the aircraft um, stooping in quite low over all the Canary Wharf is uh, quite spectacular and interesting. Um, as the Fogger 50s and a lot of prop aircraft and the BA 146s as yeah, yeah, a sort of popular um, and the uh, Airbus A320 
and the A319s as well. So a total of 3,381,000 passengers travelled through London City Airport in 2013. That is quite a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. I didn't expect it to be that much. For the size of the airport, that is a lot of of passengers going through there. And it's only got, uh, as some people most probably know, it's just got one runway, uh, which is used um, depending on the uh, wind direction. Um, So for landings and takeoffs. Yeah. So next piece of news is... uh, from the Moody Report website. This one is regarding EasyJet. And EasyJet have been named Airline of the Year at the iSpy Awards 2014. This is not an award I've heard of, Simon. No. Um, but uh, EasyJet have taken the Airline of the Year prize um, at the In-Flight Salesperson of the Year Awards. That's what it stands for, ISPY, In-Flight Salesperson of the Year. Oh, there we go. Um, with Air Canada crew members also winning top sales awards prizes. The event took place on Friday the 17th of January in Brighton, uh, capping the week-long iSpy event, which attracted airlines and in-flight concessionaires from around the world, as well as major brands and distributors. So good news then for EasyJet. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that is. That's, um, that's good. I mean, I've flown with them, you've flown with them. Yes. Uh, they're a very popular airline here in the UK, yes. a low-cost airline. So um, I hope other low-cost airlines can follow suit, mm. not not mentioning any the, names. Yes, I wonder. <laughs> uh, so next piece of news then, uh, following on, Travel News uh, website. This one is uh, regarding EasyJet again, and uh, they've won another award. Uh, EasyJet have been named Best Short Haul Airline at the 2014 Business Travel Awards. Wow. Um the low cost uh, carrier EasyJet has been uh, has received the best short haul award uh, for 2014 at the Business Travel Awards in London, and uh, that can only mean good things for for EasyJet again, carrying more than 60 million passengers a year, of which more than 11 million are business passengers. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, they've got uh, they've got quite a good uh, setup now. I think EasyJet, yes, they're uh, um, good reputation, good reputation. Yeah. And yeah. uh, that will help uh, with even more people uh, purchasing flights for them. Yeah, we'll um, we'll we'll uh, we'll have to book up a flight and just just that's got uh, that's got to be uh, London City. <laughs> I'm telling you, I want to fly out of there just to say I'm flying out of London City Airport. That's it. So next piece of news then from uh, the National um, website. This one is regarding uh, something that I've, I've been looking at every now and again when it's been on the news feeds um, regarding biofuel, and this is Etihad. Uh, the airline has conducted uh, a test flight from Abu Dhabi to El Alin using 10% biofuel. Um, the Boeing 777 flight from Abu Dhabi to Alin took 45 minutes and was part of the Biojet Abu Dhabi initiative, which is a collaboration between Etihad Airways and the American aircraft manufacturer Boeing, um, the Abu Dhabi oil refinery company Trachier and the French energy company Total and the Madstar Institute of Science and Technology. Uh, The initiative aims to support a sustainable aviation biofuel industry in the UAE, and biofuel can can be produced using agricultural waste uh, and plants and algae as well. So that's, uh, I mean, have you seen, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces about this over time. Biofuel is sort of, they're trying to to push us us in quite hard now. It's a good idea, I yeah, think. Yeah, uh, recycle definitely. any old uh, sort of farm uh, waste and anything. I don't think um, I don't think we'll see aircraft flying on a hundred percent biofuel no, no. soon. But it's a good it's, it's a good step forward, isn't it? It's a, it's, uh, 
it's a good uh, way of uh, trying to keep emissions down. Um, I mean, next thing you know, we'll have uh, aircraft flying overhead and you'll be, what's that smell? Yeah. <laughs> but I, there's just something about the aviation fuel <laughs> smell yeah. that I like. Jet A1. Yes. Oh, yes. That's like, you can't uh, beat it. Any air show, any airport, you name it. There we and go for, for any um, for any budding uh, um, aftershave people out there. We need to uh, produce an aftershave called Jet A One. Yes, that'd be good <laughs> for all us aviation geeks. I'm sure that would uh, that would go down a storm. I think. Yeah, yeah. you'd sell a lot of that at air shows. I think. <laughs> <didn't you? laughs> we'll have to we'll have to plug that at the air shows when we go this year. Definitely. Yes. So next piece of news then from Travel Weekly. This one uh, is regarding uh, the European Air Traffic Controller's planned strike. Um, the European air traffic control strikes um, have been called for January the 29th, which is, uh, when we're recording this today, it's the 25th. So that's, uh, the 29th is next Wednesday. Yeah, so it's Wednesday the 29th. Um, this follows confirmation on Saturday that the German uh, air traffic controllers plan to strike for one hour on January the 29th in a show of support for the Europe-wide strike that could lead to considerable flight distru- uh, disruption. So not good news no, if you're watching no. to travel next Wednesday. Um, yes. Anywhere, they, sort of Germany. Yeah, they uh, seems that there's one or two strikes pop up uh, during the year in Europe. Um, we know the French, they have uh, strikes on yeah. and off, one or two other sort of uh, countries in Europe. That's unfortunate, really, because that's going to affect a lot of people... Um, in, uh, flying around you, in and around you. Yes, and they there. seem to do it um, either children's half term or um, bank holidays normally, don't they? Mm. The ATC EUC had initially planned uh, a Europe wide strike in October but postponed it after the Commission si- uh, signalled it would be willing to renegotiate uh, plans over the talks. Uh, but the union has called on its members to take action on January the 29th, saying that the new proposal from the Commission was even more unrealistic. So for those of you listening then, going to be travelling on the uh, 29th of January. Um, keep your eyes, uh, well, keep your eyes open, eyes to the sky, Simon, because there might not be a lot going on that particular yeah. day. So next piece of news then, moving on, is uh, from the uh, BBC's uh, news website. This one is regarding Boeing. And uh, they confirmed a $4 billion uh, order from General Electric. So the General Electric leasing uh, company arm has uh, confirmed that it uh, has placed an order for 40 Boeing planes worth $4 billion uh, or £2.3 billion at list prices. Uh, the order includes 20 737 MAX 8 aircraft and 20 next-generation 737-800 jets. The order was booked last year, but so far had been attributed to an unidentified customer by Boeing. GE Capital Aviation Services said the new planes would help it meet growing demand for more fuel-efficient aircraft uh, from its customers. Um, and CCAS has now placed uh, total orders for 95 units of 737 MAX 8 airplanes and 387 of the next generation 737-800 jets, making it the biggest buyer of the two two models uh, in leasing industry. So good news then for Boeing. Yes, yeah, those aircraft, um, the 737-800 uh, uh, model, seems to be quite a popular aircraft and uh, flown one on those one or two times, and they are... They are a lovely aircraft. Yeah, yeah, they are a, a very, very good workhorse. Yes. They must be good because uh, Michael O'Leary's um, got them all in his fleet, hasn't he? Yes, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so next piece of news then moving on uh, is the Australian Business Traveller site this is uh, British Airways um, has released a new first class amenity kit um, so for the, those of you who uh, can afford to travel first class um, with BA on uh, their 777 and their new A380 are going to be treated to a very posh little zip up um, bag yes. uh, containing uh, various uh, aromatherapy kits and creams and potions and toothbrushes and toothpaste and but look at what, the, what do you think of that yeah, song? <laughs> I've um, sort of uh, always uh, looked forward to a flight, but amenity kits on certain airlines you do get them in economy, and I must admit, Virgin Atlantic always um, you uh, the children love it as well. You get the amenity kit and bag, which is just a little clear bag. You get a pen, a notepad, some moisturiser, a pair of goggles, a pair of um, socks. But this looks quite uh, luxurious with all these uh, creams in here and uh, bags. But I do. I do uh, think, and you was probably with me on this, that uh, amenity kit just makes that flight a little bit more, I don't know, just... <laughs> a bit more... Um, exciting. Yeah, exciting and yeah, uh, relaxing. And so, yeah. yeah. It's like being and at home. To, yeah, but just having a little thing like that on an aircraft just makes the flight um, a bit more enjoyable and... Uh, because you don't know what you're going to get in it sometimes. And no. You, change. you get your toothbrush, your well, toothpaste. Well, British Airways uh, assembled its new first-class kits after conducting research with passengers to find out what they really want in their wash bag beyond the usual toothbrush, toothpaste and eye mask. And what surprised uh, BA was the simplicity of the items they feel are missing from the traditional wash bag, says Kate Thornton, British Airways Head of Product and Service. Deodorant is a good example, uh, as is a decent hairbrush or comb. And the new soft bag kits will boast a range of specially tailored products for men and women. So depending on whether you're a male or female, you'll get uh, your very own wash bag containing uh, hydrotherapy cleansers and hand lotions. And what we got there, Uh, Simon, eye serum. Yeah. Um, toothbrush, toothpaste, uh, deodorant sticks, lip balm, razor, razor, uh, shaving foam. I mean, that's that's quite a comprehensive kit bag. Yeah, really, look isn't at that. It? Look at that. That looks quite nice. We're just well, looking at the pictures on the uh, on the website here, and uh, well, I love that bag. Didn't you? That drawstring bag. It's really nice. That's it. Yeah. We're, we're def- the, this one here, um, we're going down to. This looks like the economy one. Is that the? Uh, no, let's have a look. No, here, going up to this uh, blue one down here. Yeah, that one. That looks like the economy bag. That's what I was uh, saying about with virgin nice club weld as well yeah that looks really nice we'll, we'll have to we'll have to sa- we're gonna have to save up some money uh simon to book um book these flights on all these aircraft and and yep. the airports that we want to fly into so next piece of news moving on then is from the travel mall website this one is regarding unfortunately there we, well, we, we go with the dreamliner issues and this one is an Air India 787 flight from London to New Delhi, which was forced to turn back due to technical problems on board the Dreamliner. Uh, the Indian Airlines said that the aircraft's transponder failed during the flight on Sunday, uh, but that uh, there was no immediate safety concern. And the aircraft was back in operation the day after, after their engineers fixed the fault. Uh, this comes as the latest uh, glitch to hit the Dreamliner, uh, which has suffered a series of problems with overheating batteries, fuel leaks, etc. 
and and on Tuesday uh, we haven't got a date for that, but uh, that was over the last um, two weeks, probably over the last week. Norwegian Air Shuttle uh, said that they had a fuel leak on one of their Dreamliners. Um, on a flight from Bangkok to Oslo, uh, which delayed the flight by 19 hours. And also, uh, a week ago, um, actually last week, uh, Japan Airlines uh, maintenance staff reported seeing smoke coming from a grounded Dreamliner at Narita's airport, prompting a further investigation. These um, problems, I don't know of any other aircraft that's had so many problems, do you? No, I mean... (sighs) I mean, I've got quite open AO, um, uh, thoughts and, and stuff on the aircraft. You know, I, I genuinely wanted to fly on the three, uh, 787 um, when we flew home. And I, I still would travel on the 787. But even reading now, since I've been back uh, on the Aviation Herald website, uh, a great website me and Simon use um, to find out information and stuff, um, you know, it seems to be an ongoing thing now. We every week there seems to be a, a problem or an issue crop up with the seven eight seven Dreamliner, yes, yep. which is unfortunate. You know, it's you know it is a groundbreaking aircraft. It was a long time in uh, in development, in production, and stuff. And it, it's obviously it's becoming quite a uh, a headache. Um, I'd, call it a, I'd call it a nuisance aircraft. <laughs> Um, when we, when, you know, when you look back at the aircraft over the years um, from all different manufacturers and 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 the like, you know, um, they've all had their share of uh, niggles and, and bits and pieces which have happened. But uh, not, this this seems to be a ongoing thing. Ongoing thing, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, I don't um, remember any aircraft that have had as many problems as the uh, Dreamliner Seven Eight Seven. You? No, no, I, I can't think to myself any. I know the A Three Eighty. May have had a few uh, small problems from the start, but nothing like this. This is just week after week, day after day. It's battery problems, fuel leaks. Um, it's. I think it's sad, really. It's. It's just because it is. You'll agree with me, Simon. When you when you look at the the seven eight seven, it is a beautiful looking aircraft. It looks, to look uh, at. It's yeah, it stunning. Look, yeah, it stunning. The aircraft. shape of it and uh, the cockpit um, and the shape of the aircraft. It looks stunning. It, as uh, Carlos said, but I think it may have been a little bit rushed um, to get this aircraft out. Um, Perhaps they uh, should have just sort of stuck to standard um, aircraft yeah, yes, building yeah. and not not gone with the fancy new style batteries yes. and stuff. Might have been a bit a uh, bit less of a, uh, a headache for Boeing, but uh, so that uh, we'll keep our eyes on the uh, on the websites following the news feeds for that for the seven eight sevens. I mean, let's hope let's hope fingers crossed, touch wood that. You know, over the course of this year, there'll be less issues with the seven eight seven. But we'll see. We'll we'll see. So next piece of news, then uh, we're going to go with some Ryanair news. <laughs> Surprise me. <laughs> yes. So this one, uh, this one amused me actually. This is um, Michael O'Leary uh, fronting a new Ryanair TV ad. Um, uh, a company called TV3 filmed uh, ca- a campaign ad for the airline's cuddly new image and debuts um, with a, a, a dress by the Michael O'Leary, the CEO. And uh, it was actually broadcast. It's a 60-second advert, um, and it's been designed to thank customers um, and promote improvements to the airline's website and highlight its more user-friendly cabin baggage and seating policies. 
I haven't seen the ad, but I'll definitely we're going to have to Google that one at some point yes, uh, yeah. on YouTube and yeah. see if that, see if we can watch that ad. Um, the ad, uh, which was uh, broadcast on the fifteenth of January, was uh, was in the middle of Coronation Street. <laughs> so That's, well, I, that is actually prime time. That is prime time. It's a good uh, idea, actually. Yeah, uh, but. Obviously, on primetime TV, you have to pay a lot extra because that is peak viewing time. So you're yeah. going to get a lot more uh, viewing figures and a lot more people see the advert. So it's a good idea. It's a good idea. They're, they're making changes. Yes, they're trying. So uh, next piece of news then um, is Ryanair again, uh, the marketing website. This one's uh, Ryanair's customer-friendly website, which we talked about on a previous podcast. Yes, yeah. Um, it's been hit by some technical glitches. Um, unfortunately, uh, Ryanair is facing an array of technical glitches on its newly revamped website, Ryanair.com, leaving customers without booking confirmations. Um, in a statement on Ryanair's site, uh, they claimed that uh, a system problem means uh, the brand is experiencing delays in it with the delivery of an email of travel itineraries. Obviously, when you book your flight, you um, put your details in. You get you, an e-ticket. And um, you get an e-ticket, or it sends you an email um, with your itinerary. Yes, so you can print yeah. it out. So they're having difficulties in uh, sending those out to their customers. Um the glitches come at a critical time in Ryanair's customer service overhaul um, days after it's announced um, by uh, Kenny Jacobs, um, um, who is to join as the brand's first chief marketing officer. Um, so uh, problems there then, but that's something that can be sorted out fairly easy, I think. Yes, yeah. you know, website designers and stuff can sort that out fairly quickly. I've looked at the new website, and it, it is a lot easier, I must admit. You know, it's a lot uh, more yes. clearer, transparent when you're booking flights, definitely. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a few glitches there. Hopefully they'll iron those out. Last piece uh, of Ryanair news then. Um, this is some sort of reasonably better news for passengers again. And it's about Ryanair partnering with Google Flight Search. So uh, from the 22nd of January... Um, which was only a few days ago, wasn't it, Simon? Yes. Um, they announced that uh, their low airfares are now available on Google Flight Search, allowing even faster access to its 1,600 routes and ensuring uh, Google Flight Search users, users can see just how much cheaper Ryanair's fares are compared with every other European airline. Now, I've never used Google Flight Search. I didn't Ooh. even know it existed until I read this news feed, um, which yeah. is... Bizarre, you know, considering the amount of um, flying stuff that, that, that we do over the course of a year. But no, I've never used Google Flight Search. But obviously they compare the flight prices from different other airlines. So yes, yeah. Could have to look on that one. I'll have to check that out myself. Next piece of news then is uh, from the Frequent Business Traveller site. This is regarding Heathrow's Terminal 2. Um, it's the construction of Terminal 2, which is to open on June the 4th this year. So Heathrow Airport announced that uh, construction on Terminal 2, called the Queen's Terminal, has been completed and the terminal will open for passenger traffic on June the 4th this year. The terminal cost uh, £2.5 billion, or $4.12 billion, to build and its construction took five years. And once in operation, it will serve 25 airlines and see 20 million passengers a year flow through the airport. 
and will also function as a hub for the Star Alliance at London Heathrow, with more than 300 flights daily using the terminal, and it'll serve 50 destinations worldwide. Yes, now I've uh, used this, and uh, some people, or a few people may know, that the Star Alliance, uh, which is a group of airlines that all link together and uh, co-chair, that those are air aircraft and airlines used to use Terminal 3, uh, but they've changed it over for some reason, and they've put them in Terminal 2. Um, I don't know why this is, whether that's because of the uh, building works that's been ongoing for the last few years, and uh, I've noticed there has been a lot of upheaval at Heathrow over the last five years, uh, during the times I've flown out of there, regarding all this construction for the uh, Terminal 2, and uh, I must say, um, I will look forward to uh, it being completed because I've come off the aircraft there and it's quite a long walk from the Mm, stand back to collect your baggage. And uh, I'd say about a 10 to 15 minute plus walk. So, but uh, it needed upgrading. A lot of the uh, sort of older terminals were getting sort of quite old and uh, this should help uh, bring it into the next century. So, yeah, the um, Star Alliance. And just uh, regarding the Star Alliance, there's actually uh, quite a few airlines in the Star Alliance. Um, Adria, Aegean, Air Canada, Air China, Austrian, Asiana Airlines, ANA, Air New Zealand, Avianca, Brussels Airlines, Copa Airlines, Croatia Airlines, LOT, EVA Air, Ethiopian, Egypt Air, Lufthansa, Scandinavian Airlines, Shenzhen Airlines, probably pronounced that wrong, Singapore Airlines, South African Airlines, Swiss Airways, TAM, TAP, Portugal, Thai Airways, Turkish Airlines, United and US Airways. Yes, and uh, if anybody is sort of not quite sure if uh, they're flying with the Star Alliance, look on the aircraft itself and you should see the little Star Alliance logo. Um, It's normally uh, located at the back of the aircraft and sometimes it's on the flight itinerary. Or somewhere else around the aircraft. So, but it is handy if you have connecting flights or want to try and link up and do a complete set of two or three different flights on Star Alliance yeah. um, Airlines. So, yeah. So the new terminal or the uh, reconditioned uh, terminal spanning over 2.25 million square feet, which is 210,000 square metres. And the terminal uh, houses 56 checking counters, 66... Um, checking in counters and 60 position fast bag drop areas all leading to 17 bars and restaurants and 52 retail stores and 24 boarding gates 14 of which are located in a satellite terminal Um, so they've made it so that it's more uh, easy to navigate without the need for complex signage i must admit i mean when we flew into um dubai airport um last week that is one fantastic airport, Simon. It is spotlessly clean. Um, you know, all the airport itself, it's well, really well kept, that, really well signposted. That sounds very similar to Shanghai Airport at Singapore, uh, which um, is, you can eat your dinner or food off the floor because um, it's so clean. There's nothing actually, not a single drop of uh, dirt, dust, I mean, Rubbish, was, that's nothing. It. Yeah, that, it, it was amazing. It amazes me how spotlessly clean the airport was. A complete contrast to when we flew out of Heathrow <coughs> to Dubai. I mean, Heathrow, the Terminal 4 we flew from, um, was was, um, was looking a bit weathered. 
uh, could do with a could do with a bit of a spruce up. Yes. Um, but it just goes to show when you do fly to different countries and that their standards. Um, yeah. And also um, something that uh, impressed me as well, Simon, was uh, when we flew uh, into Dubai Airport. Was their security um, is just something else there. I mean, we have security in the UK. You know, we have um, you know the security guys who stand there and that. But uh, in Dubai, they really do go. Do you have all the out. Uh, uh, flight X-ray scanners where you stand in? Yes, yeah, they had those. We didn't go in those, but they had them there. They're, I think um, um, I've been in them a couple of times, and they are sort of random. I think just randomly pick people uh, to go in them. But uh, our hand baggage, um, our actual hand luggage bags, <coughs> were actually. Uh, have gone actually put through the x-ray machines in three different times before we got on board that aircraft yeah, yeah. um it's yeah. A quite a high risk area though uh where it is the, it? the emirates yeah that's um that is more of a higher risk but they do do like i said they do check your bags and everything everything has to go through yes your, yeah. your, your handbag <coughs> your, your you know your rucksack or your suit little uh, hand luggage suitcase your belt had to take your belts off Watch had to go through yes, in yes, a little try. Yes, it everything sounds, goes it through. It sounds familiar, and I've even had to take my trousers off when I was in Reno, Nevada, because um, they was a little bit sceptical of what I had underneath the trousers. But um, <laughs> it was quite scary because he had a gun um, when I had um, took those trousers off and my belt, so I was a little bit sort of scared. Um, and coming home, before we uh, move on to our last news story. Coming home, flying into Heathrow on Wednesday morning um, into the passport uh, area, border control, as they call it, Heathrow yes. at Terminal 4, um, was, again, a, a complete just joke, honestly. Um, we flew in, you know, it was early morning, well, not so much early morning, it was just before midday, actually, when we uh, landed. And... Um, quite a, a large amount of people obviously coming through off flights from our gate through other aircraft as yes. well as ours and uh, through to the passport control um, area and yeah. uh, out of the probably sort of 20 odd desks they'd got there um, how many do you think were manned? <laughs> I know I'll tell you about two or three <laughs> well we had four yeah that sounds about right um even the uh, even the new electronic passport um gates the little uh, little bits you walk through and stuff even though they, they were queued up because um, people were having issues with um you know the passport readers and stuff that weren't working properly um but we <coughs> i had to queue up my wife Gemma she's got uh, electronic passport i've got one of the old style passports yes. and um yeah again had to queue up in a queue round and round the posts as you do um, whilst uh, waiting to go through passport control, yes, passport control is a, obviously a crucial part. You know, we have to have it. But I think it would um, it would be good if uh, Heathrow could some sort have some sort of uh, survey to see when their busiest times are, which I think is most of the time um, when the airport is is open and running, and employ more part of border control people to. Um, you know, to see the people through. Yes, now I've um, been through Heathrow numerous times, and uh, once or twice I've used the fast track uh, got tickets. Um, you have to sometimes pay for them, or sometimes my credit cards give us uh, those for free. And I must admit, the fast track does uh, get you through a lot faster because sometimes you come think, look at the look at the queue, yeah. 
and then uh, you just step into the fast track uh, lane and you're through within Yeah, I did minutes. see those. I did see those, actually, Simon. Yeah, I, that, well, I'll have to remember that one for next time. Yep. But uh, it was when, you're, when you've been travelling for nearly 24 hours and you, you haven't had any sleep, hardly any sleep at all, really, because um, I'm always so uh, excited to be on aircraft, I could never sleep. <laughs> Looking out the windows and... Um, you know, sort of uh, following pro, uh, pro uh, the uh, yeah the actual um, uh, progress on the screens. Yes, yeah. I, I, I can never sleep, Simon. No. And uh, when you're tired and you get land and you just, you just want to get your car and get home, the you last do. thing you want to do <clears throat> is be queuing up. Yeah, and uh, every time when I come out of Heathrow, there's that traffic on the M25 is horrendous. <laughs> did, you have, did you have that problem? Yes, we had that because <clears throat> we time we got out of the airport, it was just after dinner time. So we hit all the dinner time traffic, so uh, that made it uh, all the more exciting <coughs> for me. But uh, moving on then to our last uh, news story. Uh, this one is um, from the Independent uh, website. This is uh, Airport Bomb Scare. Turns out to be just a haggis. Uh, this one is uh, a Scottish chap who had his haggis confiscated at Birmingham Airport Security um, after uh, they suspected it could possibly have been some sort of um, plastic explosive wrapped up. Um, they stopped him and uh, scanned uh, scanned the haggis, um, which they later obviously found to be not a problem or an issue. But he, uh, the chap who got stopped has uh, said that um, the scanning devices didn't find uh, a knife, a small tiny knife that he had um, wrapped up in one of his shoes. That's quite scary. Which is quite scary, yeah. Uh, it, it, we're just reading the, we're reading the, uh, the, the um, news story here. It says that uh, they took out the haggis and started examining it. I don't think uh, it was the plastic wrapping that was suspect. Uh, he thought that it was the actual consistency and the denseness of the traditional national dish. Um, but obviously they uh, later let him go through with that. Um, but uh, the ironic thing, says the passenger, was that he was also carrying a... And I can't pronounce that, Simon. I mean, that must be some special sort of knife. Yes. Um, <coughs> spelt S-G-I-A-N-D-U-B-H. Cyan Duba knife. Must be some special sort of knife. That was inside a pair of shoes in his bag. He thought the scanner might have picked up on the metal of the knife, but it didn't. It was just a haggis that they picked up on. So that's a bit worrying, that, really, that is, Simon. That is. Um, <laughs> Didn't want too many people reading this um, little bit of uh, news here. No, no. Perhaps it was just a one-off. Yeah. Perhaps <coughs> it was uh, uh, the scanner was having an off day. Yeah, and uh, did you know that it's Burns Day today? Is it Burns Day yes, today? It ah. Is. So, as we record this then, on the uh, 25th of January, it is Burns Day. Yes, it is. Ah, so you'd know all about that, wouldn't you, Simon? Uh, yes, um, worth being <laughs> Scottish, and uh, <laughs> I've been with um, uh, one of your uh, relations uh, when he was on the lifeboat. And we had a Burns night in the Wherry Hotel. Ah, oh, my the, uncle, yeah, yes. my uncle, yeah. So that was quite, <laughs> uh, quite, quite great. Oh, brilliant! So uh, yeah, celebrate to everyone then Burns night. Uh, what what do you say? Do you do you just say happy? Happy Burns Day? Or? Yeah, I'll have to ask my wife <laughs> on that one. We'll have to get Lynn on the show to, uh, to run through Burns Day for us. So that was the last piece of news then uh, for uh, for this uh, for this show, and uh, we're going to come back after this. 
So with the uh, military aviation uh, news and air show news, I'm going to hand you over to Simon. So if you're ready, Simon, to go? Yes, I'm ready. Right, let's kick off with the news. So here he is with the military and the air show news. I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, Carlos. A little bit of sad news. Um, just, I think this was around the time uh, you went away, uh, regarding this um, military uh, helicopter HH-60G, um, which is uh, one of the paved hawks from uh, RAF Lakenheath, um, crashed, uh, killing all four crew on board. Um, it crashed into the Shingle Bank, uh, just off Clay Marshes, near the village of Clay, next to Sea in Norfolk, uh, which isn't that far away uh, from us, just up the coast. The aircraft crashed at about 7pm during a low-level training mission. Its two pilots, engineer and gunner, died, all died in the crash, and no one on the ground was killed or injured. The wreckage was widely spread, and the aircraft obviously was based at Lakenheath in Suffolk, so our condolences uh, firstly go yeah. out to all the... Uh, Pilots who lost their lives and, uh, and the families um, who have lost their loved ones uh, on this. Um, and there was a lot of live ammunition uh, on board this aircraft, small calibre bullets, uh, which had to be um, re-sort of claimed uh, back. And uh, there was another helicopter that landed and didn't leave the area until the uh, aircraft which crashed had been made safe. So... That is now back at Lakenheath, and uh, that had a, um, no problems with that, and the crew uh, had to make all the emergency calls on that helicopter. Um, but because it was in such a remote area of the marshes, uh, which is a nature reserve, it took some time for the uh, emergency services to arrive there. Um, but it's such a uh, disturbing uh, article, this is. And, um, and when I was reading it in the Eastern Daily Press, which is a local paper in the area and uh, watching it on the news it was very very sad but this other hawk didn't stay um it w- it actually stayed there for quite a while on the ground so yeah they were flying together weren't they there was two yes they were yeah. and uh, this is quite uh, usual uh, have a lot of aircraft uh, doing night exercises and night flights up um, on the north norfolk coast and uh, out over the north sea um because it's ideal uh, training but there's still uh, no word of uh what actually happened, but I'm assuming, like speaking to Carlos about this, may have possibly been a bird strike because um, this time of the year there's lots of birds on the thing, or catastrophic gearbox failure. Yeah, they've not um, not yet come across or come up with the um, with what caused the actual crash. But uh, as Simon said, where the crash happened is uh, on a bird sanctuary, so there was a lot of birds. Yes, yeah, in that area, yeah. And, and they were flying low. Yes, very low. And uh, there's a 400 metre cordon uh, in place due to the live ammunition on board the uh, helicopter. And uh, you've uh, seen the pictures of when it crashed, and it was just totally yeah. obliterated the, into yeah, the uh, shingle and uh, mm. into the marsh. So, and you couldn't really recognise that what sort of aircraft it was because it just literally fell to pieces um, on impact. So. I mean, the aircraft itself, um, Simon was just looking up on um, on Wikipedia, and uh, it's it's quite a you know well built, well designed, well used um, combat search and rescue helicopter. Um, 
that um, has saved a lot of lives in its time. Yes. Um, used, uh, obviously, as a search and rescue. Um, so it's just an unfortunate, you know, um, uh, incident that, that happened, really. It's just yes. a shame. <clears throat> yes, and I have actually, the aircraft that did uh, qu- uh, crash in question, I have actually seen at Duxford in 2007, in July, um, which is shocking. So I'm going to, I know it may seem a bit sort of, morbid or sad but I've got uh, some pictures of that aircraft flying on uh, my photo uh, album so I will go and have a look at that to see if uh, any of the crew um, which I may have uh, been talking to so that's a bit of a shame um, Boeing and another piece of news Boeing starts assembling its final KC-46A test aircraft Boeing is assembling the fourth and final KC-46A test aircraft for the US Air Force's next generation aerial refueling tanker program at the company's Everett factory factory keeping the program on track to deliver the initial 18 tankers to the air force by 2017 all four all four test aircraft are moving through production to support our transition to the ground and flight so uh yeah the final uh few aircraft being built there yeah the kc-46 which is uh, based on the 767 <coughs> yes uh, that's a good aircraft and I've flown on that quite a few times and I, I do enjoy that aircraft yeah there's been more than a thousand 767s built uh, to date and they've proven <coughs> themselves as a, as a great commercial airliner <coughs> so um, the uh, freighter and tanker uh, option is uh, obviously is, yeah. is, is, is well, yes. well good for, is well yeah. used no, for them I've uh, flown out of uh, Amsterdam Schiphol to the US or one of those and one or two other places in the US and they're nice aircraft so yeah sounds uh, good Bolivia to buy uh, six Puma AS332C1E helicopters. The Bolivian Air Force selected the latest high-power version of the Super Puma to fight drug trafficking and perform public security and disaster relief missions throughout the country. The contract includes a logistics package that supports fleet substantially in the coming years. The first two helicopters will be delivered this year and the remaining four in 2016. So the that is uh, one of the aircraft similar, uh, the Puma, uh, that is used for North Sea uh, transport. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, this is the Super Puma they use yes. for uh, North Sea oil rig um, yeah. transport, transfers. Yeah. First flew in September 1978. That's so quite um, an that old aircraft then. Yeah. And they'll set you back uh, around about $16 million to buy one of those. Wow. We like to bring you those sorts of facts on this show. Yes, yeah. Um, so next piece of news and Simon yeah next bit of news uh, someday a drone might save your life um, a drone <laughs> a drone <laughs> we've uh, been looking at these haven't we and yeah we assure yeah. those uh, little drone aircraft that you can buy they're about four or five hundred pounds and they look quite spectacular with the screen and everything um, and uh, perhaps in the future I'd like to buy one of these because you can get quite a height with uh, some of these drones and the camera the GoPro camera that has on and mm. the screen you've mm. got on your control Let's you um, do, do amazing things with this, and you can go out of range, and the it will actually the control will actually bring it back on the right path, uh, back right to you um, where you are. So, so saying here that one day a drone may well save your life. So you may be well sitting there awaiting uh, recovery, and uh, <coughs> rather than a, a manned helicopter come to uh, rescue yeah. you, you may have a drone come to pick you or a UAV. Yes. Yeah. As they're better, yeah. Well, better they're, good, they're good for um, taking uh, pictures and reconnaissance and uh, finding out uh, sort of uh, information 
and gathering data and uh, sending it back uh, to people uh, who uh, require it. So, yeah, that's quite a... Yeah, for those of you who are interested in um, UAVs or drones, um, there is a good uh, podcast which I listen to, um, which is brought to you by uh, Max Flight and uh, David Vanderhoff as well from the the Airplane Geeks podcast. They do a weekly uh, UAV Digest podcast, which you can find on iTunes, um, which is really interesting to listen to, um, Simon. It's only a short uh, podcast, sort of 30, 30 to 40 minute podcast each week. Yes. But they do go into quite some de- in depth uh, conversation about uh, UAVs yeah. and uh, how they're being used over the, uh, over the, you know, the entire world. Yeah. So we'll have to keep keep your eyes in the sky yeah, for that one, uh, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep your eye out for the drones uh, yeah, yeah. or UAVs. Have you ever seen a drone fly? I haven't seen one fly, but I, again, saw one at Farnborough last year, uh, well, 2012, yes. um, at the air show, yeah. um, stood stood on the side. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a few of uh, the small UAV uh, ones fly at uh, Riyadh. Um, I've seen the Global Hawk. Um, I haven't actually seen that take off or land or seen on the ground, which mm. wasn't a, fly, a flyable one. I wish I'd have got there a few days earlier and had the whole package. Um, see that coming, quite impressive. But perhaps that's something we'll, um, we'll see this year. May Definitely. Do. May you know, do. The air yeah, shows, yeah, the many know. air shows that we're going to this year. Yes, yes. Just hope the weather's good. Mm. Right. Uh, next bit of news US to sell Israeli six Osprey military aircraft. Um, now, they are. Uh, a lovely aircraft. They look a bit like a scorpion when they're um, in the sky. That's why I think, anyway, uh, when I've seen them at Riyadh. And uh, they are based around uh, Mildenhall now. And uh, the Pentagon plans to sell six tilt rotor Osprey aircraft to Israel in a long-planned deal worth $1.13 billion, officials wow. said Tuesday. So that's quite a lot, isn't it? But that's, mm. they're quite an expensive aircraft, uh, looking at this, because that's a lot of money, um, the V twenty two Osprey. Yeah, there's um, they're just showing the unit. The unit cost is sixty nine point three million. So that, yeah, they are quite expensive. Um, developed by Bell. Yes. Yeah. The V twenty two first flew in uh, March nineteen eighty nine. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever seen any of these fly? Yes. Um, I've, I think I mentioned in previous podcasts. Yeah, you've, uh, I saw one fly at Farnborough. Yes, and you've been in it. As and well. I've walked through as well. Walked through yes. the um, through the you know the actual cabin section of the, the V twenty two. Had a tour around inside. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely fantastically awesome aircraft to yes. see. Yes. Yes. Um, in the um, sky as well. In the sky, they are they are just something else. And the, the it's a very distinctive uh, drone and noise uh, this aircraft has got. Because what can you call it? Um, it's a, like a helicopter sort of stroke plane, isn't it? Because when it takes off, it looks like a helicopter with wings, doesn't it? And then obviously once it's in the sky, the, the um, tilt the blades slightly forward and it looks like an aeroplane then, doesn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Powered by Rolls-Royce engines, yeah. um, the Osprey is. But so yeah. good quality engines on yes, there. Yes, yeah. And I must admit, I enjoyed every minute of uh, React when I was watching the three of those in the sky together. It was quite um, spectacular. Yeah, so really good. And hopefully we'll see some more of them this year. Yeah, the so yeah, I've uh, yep. heard them the other day uh, around near mine, but I didn't see them because it was a bit overcast. So they are about, and I think uh, that won't be too long before we'll see them flitting about over here. Well, I'll get my camera ready, yes, Simon. And when the weather <laughs> brightens up a bit, hopefully uh, it should be a bit more So. So right. next bit of news is a C-130H, end of an era in Afghanistan. All good things don't necessarily need to come to an end. Sometimes they are just replaced by something even better. 
such as the case with the vulnerable C-130H, Hercules model aircraft here. So they're replacing the H with the J. I think. Yes. I yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know whether they're still building uh, these, um, or building very many of them. But um, I do like the Hercules, and as I've said before, you can actually hear this from quite a distance away, and it's got that unique um, noise which can be heard for many, many miles away. So yeah. The older uh, C-130H models were recently replaced with the newer, modern C-130J models. The new model has the advantage for a longer fuselage, offering two additional pallet positions for airlift capacity and updated cockpit, more efficient engines and propellers, and other improvements. So yeah, the older, uh, the real old um, Hercules just had the, the cross props but the other one's got sort of more blades on them now haven't yeah. you? Uh, looking at the pictures here it's got um, quite a lot more blades and um, they're more efficient and more updated cockpit and obviously you had the analogue cockpit on the older models so but it's a lovely aircraft and it's a good uh, workhorse for cargo and uh, carrying things around the world and lots of places so yeah still a good workhorse yeah yeah and uh, it does some short takeoffs and uh Landing, so it's ideal uh, for dirt and gravel um, uh, sort of strips. Right. So, is that all the military news you've got on the screen for you there? And it's yes, you've is. got you've got some air show news for yes, us, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, I'm just going to go on with one last piece of um, uh, news that came in just this week uh, before Simon goes on with the air the um, the air show news. This is quite new. new. This is what uh, Simon actually um, picked up on this when we before we started the show today, and it's regarding Singapore Airlines um, uh, loin, uh, g- uh, linking up with Heathrow Express and First Great Western. Um, they've all teamed up um, to form a through ticketing uh, partnership <coughs> that allows passengers to travel from Bristol to Brisbane with one single booking. So it's plane to train. Yes, or train to plane. Or train to plane. Yes. That's a good idea, that, that is. That is, yeah. Um, but that's uh, very unusual that Singapore Airlines have uh, done this. So, uh, yeah, that's all uh, good. Yeah. Right, so uh, after this, next little clip of some uh, lovely noise of aircraft, we're going to go with some uh, air show news. So, with some air show news and also a quick snippet of something uh, that we didn't uh, put in on time in the last piece of news, it's Simon again. Yes, um, we've got uh, the first uh, pictures of the F-35C carrying a full load of weapons, and uh, this is one of the aircraft, first UK aircraft, and it's a joint uh, strike fighter F-35 Raptor uh, C, and uh, this one... Has uh, got a, looks as on the tail here. It's uh, yellow and blue, and it's got a full load of weapons here. So they're um, gradually getting a few uh, ready uh, to be uh, taken over and brought into the UK because they will be based on the new aircraft carrier, and also they will be based out of RAF Marham, uh, which is the current home of the Tornado at the moment. So um, it's uh, an impressive aircraft, and uh, that is. I'm a, I've seen it fly, and I'm looking forward to seeing it fly over the skies around here, so that should be uh, quite exciting. Are we going to see one of these this year at the air show? Yes, hopefully we will. Um, 
Uh, have you ever seen them fly? No, I have oh. not, I've not seen the F-35 um, yes. Rapture, no, no. Yeah, the takeoff is out of this world. It's awesome. Oh, you're in for a treat. It's such oh. a great aircraft. <laughs> oh, if you I'll, get, t- I'll tell you, Simon, <laughs> the air show season can't start quick enough. Yes. I just want to be going. Yes, yeah. um, I've seen this takeoff at Riyadh, and uh, it's uh, quite a spectacular. And um, I've never seen anything like it. The pilot was throwing the aircraft around, and it just he took off and then just went straight up, and literally straight up in the air, um, high in the sky, and it was spectacular. So, yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so what air show news have you got for us, well, Simon? Well, uh, as we sort of heading towards the end of January now, um, air show news is going to be coming thick and fast. So, I would imagine next uh, sort of week. Or less, we're going to get some more um, aircraft and air show news in because um, they're now starting to announce what aircraft are um, appearing at Waddington and Riyadh and other air shows. So if you uh, just keep an eye on our podcast uh, site and uh, listen in for the uh, podcast, we'll be keeping you up to date with every single uh, UK air show that is happening each month uh, throughout the summer season. And obviously, uh, back to the Red Arrows. Uh, as I always talk about them in most of my uh, or most of our podcasts, um, they've now started to um, come out of the paint shop. This is the first stage of the 50th anniversary um, special paint livery on the aircraft. And to start with, they're getting all the tails are all a nice royal blue. Um, you've actually uh, seen the pictures. Yeah, I've seen the picture. You put uh, put one on Facebook. Didn't yes, you? On Facebook, uh, that's right? on our uh, web page. And uh, if you take a look there, you can actually see this is the first stage. So they took off the stripes and uh, the red, white, and blue stripe off the tail. And they're going to be blue. And uh, the second stage will be complete after they return from uh, winter training in Cyprus. But currently, they are still training at Scampton. And if you go on the Red Arrows website, uh, REF Red Arrows, you will actually see their flight and slot times of one aircraft, two, four, six. Um, I don't think they've had a full Diamond 9 yet because they're still obviously early stages of the, uh, 2014 practicing. So, But I can't wait. I'm so anxious and I just cannot wait to see this 50th birthday logo mm-hmm. and uh, all the surprises we're going to have with the Red Arrows this year. Special fly pass, special events and uh, we're obviously going to one of those at Riyadh um, which is a Red Arrows pit day well, that is that our first air show this year we're going no, to but no what's no. our first one I, um, I would imagine it possibly be Duxford or um, Waddington but who knows so yeah Waddington is the 5th and 6th of July is it yeah, yeah. sometimes that's in June so yeah we've got a few air shows that, um, they start in May Duxford is normally the sort of show opener um, but we keep a um, I have to get a print off of the uh, air show dates and everything. But anybody who's interested in any air show in the UK, there are a couple of uh, air show pages. But if you just keep uh, tuned to us, uh, you, we will give you up-to-date information. Now the Red Arrows have been confirmed for REF Waddington and obviously uh, Riyadh because this is their 50th birthday. And there's one or two other aircraft that now start to be confirmed for Waddington as well. So... And also, a welcome return, and I am so excited this is happening too, it's the T2 Hawk display team. Um, I know one or two air shows have uh, already pre-booked this um, aircraft for the display, and uh, it last appeared in 2012, and that was the full Union Jack livery, and that aircraft was then subsequently taken, um, and is now with the Red Arrows, and is... um, uh, I think it's uh, squadron leader uh, 
Um, Mike, Tur- Mike Turner, um, the uh, Red Arrows. Yeah, so um, he's... No, not Mike, Mike Turner, Jim Turner, sorry. Jim Turner. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm half asleep here. Because <laughs> Poor Simon, he's, he's, actually, he's actually leaving the, the uh, kitchen studio today and then going straight to work. Yes, yeah, 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 Jim Turner, sorry. He has actually got the old uh, display uh, hawk, um, which is obviously uh, back to red. And uh, the new T2 hawk, which will be the Mark II version, that is on the air show circuit for the first time after a, uh, a year and a half break so I'm looking forward to seeing that and that should be a spectacular show as always so yeah just looking on the, the Duxford um, Imperial War Museum website Simon yes. their, their um, first major air show is on uh, May the 24th and 25th yes that's the D-Day anniversary air show yes yeah has it got a list of the um, aircraft that are p- participating they normally uh, always have a special uh, few events on at Duxford uh, there's not a list on, uh, as I can see on here in front no. of the website yet. Um, but the flying display will start at 2 p.m. and finish at 5:30 um, at uh, Duxford, and that's on, like I said, Saturday the 24th and Sunday the 25th of May this year. Yeah. So perhaps uh, that's another one. I'll, I'll have to put in a diary. Yep. What we'll do is I'll have a look around uh, what air shows um, go to because Duxford uh, do quite a lot of air shows. So. And there's so many to go to. You just have to pick the best ones. So, yeah. Yeah. So, other air shows for this year. Obviously, we'll have Rhea. Yes. Um, Farnborough. Yeah, Waddington. Um, Waddington as well. Yeah, Duxford's uh, usual mix. Um, another good air show to go to. Um, uh, it's a sort of an emotional air show. Because that was uh, where uh, John Egan uh, lost his life in uh, one of the red, red hours, unfortunately. Um, it's Bournemouth Air Show. That is a great air show. I love that. It's a really good and well organised. Normally lasts about four days. So four days of air shows. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> I've been down there for two or three days on that, and it's just back to back flying and uh, great selection. Obviously, you've got uh, Yeovil down there and uh, near there, and you've got the helicopters. So there's quite a lot of helicopters fly and um, the Red Arrows, and sometimes the Civix, and I've seen that down there as well. And I've seen that in the last off uh, many, many years back. So, yeah, there's lots and lots of air shows about. Um, there's too many to mention at the moment. But once I get a full list, um, I'm going to get that printed out. And uh, we'll talk quite a lot more about the uh, coming air show season and what aircraft from around the world are actually coming over to the UK to display and uh, show off their skills. Yeah, we're also um, obviously going to be doing, um, or try, yeah. to do some uh, outside um, interviews, or some podcast interviews, uh, yes. from hopefully from uh, some of the pilots and that at the air shows. Yes, yes. And and we'll we're just in the process at the moment, me and Simon, of deciding what uh, particular uh, recording device to uh, to use when we go out to the um, air shows, but I think we're, we've got a good idea what we're going to what we're going to uh, aim to to purchase, haven't we, Simon, for, yes, um, yep. for the air shows. Yep. So hopefully we'll get some uh, some good interviews from various people. Yes, yeah, so I'm hoping to get um, try and get a Red Arrows uh, interview uh, sometime. I can't promise anything, but um, we're going to try and see if we can get an interview with someone and uh, one or two other people from air shows um, around the UK. So uh, there's lots to look forward to, lots of air shows. We've got the Queen's Flight as well, and I'm sure we're going to be going to that because we've got the L1011 TriStar. That's in the formation. This may be its last year flying, which will be such a shame because um, they're now starting to go into storage. But we'll talk more about that in the uh, coming podcasts. Yeah, so. definitely. 
So keep your ears open uh, for the next episode, which uh, we'll probably well, I think record maybe next ne- week. Yes, most probably next week. Yeah. yeah, next week. So is that all? Uh, all yeah. the news we've got yes. for this week for the air show news, and uh, about all we've got uh, time for for this yes. podcast yes. this week. I'm clock watching at the moment. Yeah, Simon's <laughs> clock watching. He needs to uh, needs to depart very soon and uh, go and have his tea, and then he's off to uh, to another hugely long shift. I expect. Yes, working hard. Twelve hours, six till six. I'm working tonight as well, Simon. Uh, yes, you're, you're, you're enjoying yourself <laughs> I mean, playing I, music. I've got the enjoyable <laughs> job of playing music to lots of uh, people in a, in a in a pub, so that's not too bad. Um, but uh, yeah we're just going to go uh, tell everyone as well don't forget you can uh, follow us on Facebook at uh, Plain Talking UK I just want to say hello to um, a few of the few of the people who are following uh, following us on Facebook Uh, Daniel Hannington uh, Tim Hitchcock uh, Tim was one of our uh, he was a winner of the um, uh, Red Arrows calendar yes yep. so hello to Tim and Wayne Bover Yes, yes. Uh, one of my work colleagues. Yes, yeah. uh, David special. Harris. Yes, and uh, Char Holden as well. Uh, one of our, another one of our listeners, uh, Mark Cobley as well. Uh, Tracy Goddard. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, David Harris. We've already already mentioned. And anyone else really who's uh, following us on Facebook? A big uh, hello, Jez Bills, Stephen Corley, as well. Another few of the listeners there who like us. And also uh, to Steve Vischer as well. Uh, he's also following us on uh, Facebook as well. Steve Vischer from the Playing Crazy Down Under podcast. Wow. Um, we've got some royalty following us on Facebook there. And uh, not forgetting all the guys at the Airplane Geeks, Max Flight and uh, uh, Rob Mark and David Vanderhoff. And of course, not forgetting uh, Jeff from the uh, Airline Pilot Guy podcast yeah, definitely. as well. Uh, another great podcast. So... That's about it, all we've got time for this week. Don't forget, please do email the show as well, um, because we'd like to hear some feedback from you. Um, So you can email the show at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.co.uk. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Search us on Facebook at Plain Talking UK Podcast. You'll see us on there. Like us on there. I hope you like us anyway. And uh, also, you can download the uh, podcast uh, if you if you're not downloading it via iTunes. You can download uh, download the podcast via iTunes um, onto um, onto your iPod and listen to us, which is also good. Mm. And don't forget to give us a uh, give us a rating as well on iTunes if you've uh, got a few minutes to spare. Um, you can rate the uh, podcast as well on iTunes, which would be nice to see. Um, hopefully, some positive feedback from uh, from all our listeners and that. Uh, any other bits and pieces you, you want to um, send as well to us, anything you want uh, for us to talk about or chat about on the show, um, please do send us an email. Drop us a line um, via the website as well. Don't forget you can uh, obviously find us uh, on our website, which is all up and running very well. So if you go to uh, plaintalkinguk.com, www.plaintalkinguk.com, plain spelled P-L-A-N-E, you can uh, look at us on the website. You see a lovely picture of uh, Simon and uh, of me as well. And you can click on the contact the show tab and, and fire us an email or comment via that uh, part of uh, the website. There's also some pictures on there as well. I've put a few pictures uh, on the gallery on the website that you can look at um, from my recent experiences on the 380 and um, the other aircraft that I've flown on over the last week. 
Um, and that's about all we've got time for then, Simon. we better let you get, uh, get away before I get uh, in trouble from the wife. <laughs> yeah, she's out at the moment. She's out with the uh, children. They're uh, swimming. Uh, well, the eldest one's at swimming lessons, so I should hopefully uh, get home before the house gets full again. So. <laughs> A bit of calm before uh, going into work then, Simon. Yes, yes. Awesome. Okay, then, so from me, Carlos, thanks very much for listening. You've been always a brilliant audience for all you guys who are following us and that on Facebook and all the usual bits and pieces. Keep listening and uh, keep your eyes uh, up in the skies at uh, Wasp Flying Over. And from you, Simon? Yeah, you all take care and uh, have a good uh, rest of the week and uh, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you very soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, then.